let's explore impermanence and five other spiritual poems. This is Lama Jigme Gyatso. Welcome to Meditate Like a Jedi. Today's first poem, Impermanence. One need not ask a cosmologist nor a particle physicist of the constant of change, for although they would cheerfully affirm it, one need only open the front door and step outside, watch the changing of the seasons, and see the impermanence of a year. Watch the waxing and waning of the moon, and see the impermanence of a month. Watch the rising and setting of the sun, and see the impermanence of a day. Rest your palms upon your chest, feel it swell, feel it sink, and notice the impermanence of a moment. Ever-changing, one and all, there is nothing permanent to grasp. Today's second poem, Mind. It is written, May all beings' minds be as enlightened as Seed Mantra Tam, for all minds are lucid, yet as void as a bija of light. What could that mean? Let us play with conventional bodhicitta's compassionate mindset of enlightenment that recognizes mind as one of the bases of awareness from which we experience life in all its glories and in all its grotesqueries, and simply intends that all folks' minds be as liberated as the Buddha of enlightened activity, be she real or imagined, whose mind is symbolized by the green syllable Tom. Let us also play with ultimate bodhicitta's insightful mindset of enlightenment that also recognizes mind as one of the bases of awareness and also explores how mind could be as non-graspable as a vast empty void, like the infinite azure sky on a cloudless morn, and how our minds could also be as non-graspable as a syllable tom comprised merely of green light, that although could be noticed, remains as non-graspable as a rainbow, or as non-graspable as the image of the full moon reflected in a basin of water. Today's third poem, Hair. Those of us with long hair know the danger of allowing others to arrange our hair, for they sometimes tie it so tight as to induce an altered state of consciousness. Today's fourth poem, Hammer. The morning after my first pansexual three-way, the sky was blue, the sun was shining, and my next-door neighbor was livid. 
I wanted to apologize for the noise, as I had no idea my guests were given to screaming orgasms. But before I could, that aging fundamentalist who often strived to manipulate other tenants of our apartment complex by invading personal space, by invasive personal contact, through the aggressive use of pointed rapid-fire questions, laid into me. She stepped inside my personal space. She peppered me with pointed questions. What were you doing last night? What were you doing last night? What were you doing last night? Like bullets from a revolver, she repeated her questions, each as sharp as a Mandalorian wrist arrow, each following in rapid succession too quickly for me to answer, before she cut me off with the same question repeated and repeated and repeated, in more of an accusation than an inquiry. She stepped forward with each question, knees bent, chest hollow, chin dropped, gazing at me through her white eyebrows like an aging pugilist approaching her quarry, physically forcing me back upon my heels, emotionally shoving me back into a defensive posture. She was very good at this. She had done it often. As if she was the love child of Thomas de Torquemada of the Spanish Inquisition and Jack Webb of Dragnet. I wish I could say I was clever or nimble. All I could do was relax into her aura and speak to her using words she would understand. Love is not rude, but you are, and as such you are a poor ambassador of Christ, and I rebuke you in his name. You are dead to me. You are dead to me. You are dead to me. I repeated like a wrathful mantra of Tibet, as if it was a hammer driving nails into the coffin of our friendship. She never scolded me again, and soon I moved away to Los Angeles County, and thus began a new chapter of my life. Today's fifth poem, Lesser. Christ's religious foils were the Pharisees of Jerusalem, but what was their sin? Did they fail to believe, or did they believe with such fervor and rigidity that rendered them incapable of exploring ideas that they had never considered? This problem is not unique to Jerusalem, or Israel, or Jews, or religion. Why, even a physicist once said, Great spirits always encounter a violent opposition from lesser minds. Today's sixth and final poem, Difficult. She dressed as an Ani, Tibetan for none, and insisted that even though she practiced her teacher's system for more than twenty consecutive years, she assured me that she could complete the path in just seven more lifetimes. 
But Buddha taught that the path could be completed in seven years, or seven quarters, or seven months, or even or seven fortnights, or seven weeks, or even seven days. If after seven years of full-time practice, you, O oh nun, have not accomplished the path to your satisfaction, the time has come to ask difficult questions. Questions about how well you have understood your teacher's instructions. Questions about how well you have applied your teacher's instructions. And questions about whether those instructions are even effective at all. Let us conclude with a simple call to action. This podcast will never have any advertisements, so support us monthly on PayPal and like us on your podcast service to help others find us just as you found us as well. If meditation has felt impossible or boring or just out of reach, you are welcome to register at buddhajoy.org for the next series of live online meditation class webinars that meet once a week.